True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. And first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up, Ed? Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Monday, June 13th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers today on the show. We had a major injury to one of the top starting pitchers drafted this season. Waiver wire ads, hitters that are heating up in June, starter sit, and much more. But let's get started. Oh, my good goodness gracious. All right, let's go with Scott. Oh, my goodness gracious from the weekend. Well, Frank, I like a I like a good burger. I don't know about you. I like a good, juicy burger. And the White Sox enjoyed one of those this weekend themselves. Jake Burger, the Burger Man, has he homered he homered uh, he homered again over the weekend. He's been homering. He's been homering a lot lately. He's hit. Four home runs in his past eight games. And uh, he's got that batting average looking respectable, too. A- OPS is over 800. He looks like a legit... His stats look like what you'd expect a major league corner man stats to look like. Which suggests to me that that's what he is. And it's, it's, it's worth pointing out because the White Sox, a team that struggled with offense all year... Uh, some someone on their team who hasn't looked much like a major league hitter for a while now is Yon Moncada, their third baseman. Moncada's still been getting some starts, but Berger's been playing more regularly, getting some at third base, getting some time at DH. They just sent Gavin Sheets down. He's going to stop bothering White Sox fans. It's going to create even more room for, for Berger in the lineup. So I think the White Sox are committed to burger now they've had enough chicken and pork they're all in on the burger (laughs) and like he hits the ball really hard like i I don't i don't think the power hitting is is a question he average exit velocity is like 91 miles per hour like he's strikes out too much bad plate discipline but at third base i i welcome i welcome the addition of another power source yeah, 100%. He has started seven games in a row. You mentioned they're trying to find ways to get his bat in the lineup. And the power metrics 
uh, really line up with everything he's doing right now. 90.8 mile per hour average exit velocity, 114 max EV, 16% barrel rate. There's a lot to like about Jake Berger right now. Uh, but there was a few other corner infielders that kind of popped off the screen this weekend as well. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck had two homers his last 16 games. He's betting 280 with four home runs. He's hitting the ball extremely hard. The strikeout rate is down for him. And uh, we saw last year from August 1st on when Dahlbeck was striking out less, he was like one of the best power hitters uh, over the final two months of the season. And then uh, Darren Ruff had a double dong on Friday, one off of a lefty, one off of a righty. I feel like we do this every couple of weeks. We bring up Darren Ruff, uh, but he's still kind of interesting. Chris, how would you rank those three? Jake Berger, Bobby Dahlbeck, and Darren Ruff if you are looking for a corner infielder. Um, I think Dahlbeck and Berger are probably the Spider-Man meme. You know, the one where they're both pointing at each other and there might be a third one there with Patrick Wisdom off to the side as well. I feel yeah. like those are all kind of the same guy. Um, but, you know, Patrick Wisdom's pretty widely rostered and has been useful this season it, with power. Well, where are we at on power? You know, like power... It seemed like power was going to be at a premium, and then all of a sudden, the last couple of weeks, offense has really started to bounce back, so I don't know how much we need to be chasing every power source. But yeah, I, I think... I guess I'd rather have Berger than Dahlbeck just because we've seen Berger fail less often than right. Dahlbeck. But right. um, and, and, and I, I think, think they're probably pretty similar players. In theory, yeah. I, I mean, Patrick Wisdom is for sure a low 200s batting average because he doesn't just strike out 30% of the time. He strikes out like 35 plus percent of the time. Uh, so, you know, but I, he's, he's I, I think, probably the most reliable power source of the three too. So it's, Berger's the biggest question mark, but that's that also makes him, that also presents the upside of the mystery box too. Right? It could be, it could be a, yeah. an invincibility star or it could be, I don't know what what bad comes out of the question mark box in Mario Brothers. Sometimes you just you hit the fake box. Well, yeah, you hit the fake box, or, or it's like a it's a it's the a, lightning like bolt, the fire, the, the 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 flower that gives you firepower, but you already got it. So it's yeah, like, it's not like, great. Am, am I gonna jump up there for two thousand? One green shell. Away? Yeah. Is that Mario Kart that you were referencing, Chris? Because that's that's where my that's what mine started. That's what to Scott go. was referencing, right? I think he was talking about just Mario, I was talking Super about Mario, Mario Brothers in general. Yeah. Oh, you but, say Mario? Interesting. Mario, Mario, Mario. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, it's probably like a <laughs> New York thing. Uh, Jake, <laughs> Jake Berger. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I would take him ahead of Bobby Dahlbeck, but I, I do like both quite a bit. If you are still seeking out power, and they are both widely available. Jake Berger is twenty percent rostered, and he's got six road games this week. Bobby Dahlbeck, seventeen percent rostered. He has six home games this week. Chris, oh my goodness gracious, for you from the weekend. Well, I wanted to do, uh, I thought about doing Nelson Cruz, uh, who hit two home runs and is starting to show signs of life. But I'll go with Washington Nationals teammate, Luis Garcia, who had seven more hits this weekend and 13 at-bats, four hard-hit balls, three of them coming today. He's off to a very good start this season, hitting 372 with a 15.6% strikeout rate, showing some good signs with the quality of contact. He's someone that I added uh, in Tout Wars today, and I'm going to try to add him wherever I can because I think Luis Garcia, as we talked about last week, there is um, real potential for him to be a an above-average hitter, if not a standout. Mm-hmm. 
And he's also widely available. 21% rostered is Luis Garcia. Looking at names that are much more universally rostered. Like, would you drop an Owen Miller for him, Chris? Sure. Would you drop... I, I, I nearly dropped... I had to drop someone, and I have both Luis Garcia and Jake Cronenworth on the team. Mm-hmm. I didn't drop Cronenworth, but I thought about it. All right. So, yeah, I, I know that you are huge into him, and, and you, I think, moved him inside, like, your top 20 second baseman. So, mm-hmm. I get it. He comes with some prospect pedigree, and so far, he's off to a great start here with the Washington Nationals. How about... He's, he's, a, he's a top 10 sleeper hitter for this week, too. There you Luis go. Garcia. Yes, the Nationals have eight games this week, correct? So yep. I know him and Lane Thomas were two sleepers for you, Scott. Uh, would you be okay dropping two names that are over 60% rostered? Would you drop Tyro Estrada and Gavin Lux for Luis Garcia? Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, I would. I thought you were asking Chris, but... Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I may still have Lux ranked like one spot higher, but I actually might have just made that move. I've been pretty... Pretty yeah, disappointing. Yeah, I've got Lux behind uh, Luis Garcia now. So, yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. I don't know. I, I, and I know he had a pretty good weekend, but I don't know what we're still holding out for with Gavin Lux. Yeah. Doesn't he have – he has two home runs? I mean – Yeah. Prospect, pedi- prospect pedigree there, but yeah, the, the underlying numbers are all pretty miserable. The batting average has climbed quite a bit for uh, Gavin Lux. I think he's approaching 300, but only two homers – Handful of steals is nice, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I would I would take the shot on Luis Garcia. I, I think I just feel better about the playing time uh, for Garcia yeah. as well over a Gavin Lux. All right, so some hitters there. Uh, again, Luis Garcia, Jake Berger, Bobby Dahlbeck. I want to talk about a reliever. Uh, Tanner Houck is going to be the, oh my goodness gracious, player for me. And this weekend, he had saves on both Friday and Saturday, and we've referenced this many times. The Red Sox have been searching and searching for someone to step up, close games for them consistently. You know, they've tried Hansel Robles in the role. He blew another save on Saturday, and they've mixed and matched with Matt Strom and Matt Barnes to start the season. But Tanner Houck is someone that really kind of seems like he would make sense in the closer role. He's got that sweeping slider. He throws pretty hard, you know, gets a good amount of whiffs. So I, I'm pretty interested in uh, Tanner Houck potentially taking over this role. He's 35% rostered. Uh, Scott, places where you need saves. Are you looking to add Tanner Houck? Do you have some faith here in him taking over as closer? Yeah, I mean, well, a guy gets a save on back-to-back days for a team that hasn't <laughs> hasn't uh, nailed down a closer yet, I, I think. I think you have to assume he's the front runner at this point. And, you know, heading into that stretch, Alex Cora said he was going to try and use him as more of, a, more of a late inning guy after, you know, he, would, he began the year in the rotation and then a multi-inning reliever. And so I, I guess this is the role he had in mind. I mean, certainly the arsenal is there for him to be an effective closer. He'll have to be consistent about it. But it's not like, it's not like there's much competition on the Red Sox. So I would say... Uh, you know, I, I, I might prioritize, I don't know if I want to say it. It doesn't sound good Mm-mm. as I was about to say it, but I, Tanner Scott is widely available too and has the Marlins last two or three saves. And I think is emerging as the front runner there. I mean, the Red Sox are a better team, I guess. Yeah. I think They're I would go Hauk. a better team. I, I think I would. Yeah. I, I think I would go Hauk over Scott. Okay. Uh, Chris, which Tanner do you prefer, Scott or Hauk? Uh, Scott picked up another save on Friday, and that was back-to-back saves for him. 
Yeah, I mean, he's getting a ton of strikeouts this season, and he has completely, I mean, he's gone all in, Tanner Scott has, on his slider. He's throwing it 72% of the time this season, which actually probably isn't that dissimilar from Tan- how Tanner Houck's going to throw as a, as a relief pitcher. Um, I would say I probably prefer Houck just because I think he's on a better team. I think they're probably pretty similar uh, in terms of how good they'll be moving forward. I, I've never been much of a believer in Houck as a starter, but as a reliever, I think that two-pitch approach can, can work. Yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. Scott, a, a few relievers I see getting dropped, and rightfully so, I guess. Uh, Danny Jimenez, over the weekend, he gave up a few more runs, takes another blown save and loss on Friday. His ERA is now up to 4.70. And Giovanni Gallegos just kind of seems like he is not the closer any longer for the St. Louis Cardinals. Would you drop both of those names for either or both of the tenors? I think it's, I think that's a hard choice. Yeah. I mean, if it's just, if it's a shallow league and it's like, whatever, I'll go with the hot hand, whoever it is, because there'll be somebody new soon enough, then I think fine, go ahead and do it. But, you know, if it's, if it's a league where you really, it was really painful for you to get Jimenez and, uh, and, uh, who's the other one? Gallegos. Yeah. Gallegos. Well, obviously you drafted Gallegos, but if, if it would be really painful to get them back, let's say. Because we don't really have much clarity on the Cardinals situation. They've kind of, they haven't had many save chances lately. There have been a lot of like extra inning games, tie game situations where Helsley has followed Gallegos more often than not, but sometimes Gallegos has followed Helsley. And, and so it's, it's, there's not a lot of clarity there. Like I, I don't feel confident saying, oh, Helsley's the guy to have over Gallegos at this point. Uh, so that would be the one I'd be more hesitant with. Jimenez, I mean, yeah, he's been terrible. Who else do they have? Uh, I'm gonna cut, try and cut this short, and just say uh, I would rank Jimenez fourth of that group, but I probably still rank Gallegos one in terms of who I want to roster. All right, fair enough. Yeah, Oakland, Oakland is tough right now. I was putting in some speculative ads on like AJ Puck in deeper category leagues. I don't, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. He does not have any saves or I even think save opportunities, but uh, yeah, it's not working right now for Danny Jimenez yeah. and the Oakland A's. Uh, all right, let's get into the big news from the weekend. Unfortunately, Walker Bueller is dealing with a flexor strain in his right elbow and won't throw for at least six weeks. And Chris, I saw you tweeting about you know, that timeline, not throwing for six weeks. That means like, yeah. he would still have to ramp back up. So we're looking at, I don't if everything works out, maybe an August return for Walker Bueller, but yeah, even I mean, then, like the best case scenario would be what? Yeah, probably mid August. That's like, if he hits that six week timetable and then, you know, two weeks of ramp up, two weeks of rehab assignments, like that's asking a lot, you know, it could easily get into September without even a setback, mm-hmm. just being on the, the later end of this timetable. So I don't want to tell people to drop Walker Bueller, but if you're in one of those leagues where you don't have an IL spot, you're going to have to consider it. Yeah, no, that's that's a real question. Scott, what do you think? Would you... Uh, ob- look, obviously, it's it's really tough. It depends who's available too, but NFBC mm-hmm. leagues, for example, no IL spot, only seven bench spots. Would you yep. would you drop Walker Bueller in a league like that? I try not to. I, I, I do think it's on the table. It's it's a similar timetable that Max Scherzer got, and in theory, these are similarly capable pitchers. I, I know Scherzer was pitching well and and 
Bueller wasn't, but you know, maybe we have an explanation now for why Bueller wasn't pitching so well. His forearm wasn't hundred percent, but yeah. I do always worry about the forearm strain being a precursor to something yeah. worse as, as I, you know, I was going on about, about Zach Gallen coming into the season and uh, that could be happening with Bueller too. So I, I, in a way I feel worse about his recovery than Scherzer's. Oh, um, definitely for me. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd try it's a more, it's a more worrisome injury. Yeah. Yep. You know, a forearm strain versus a, a lat is just a, it's a more concerning injury. Yeah. And look at, you know, Jesus Lozardo is another pitcher who's mm-hmm. had a forearm strain and uh, he suffered that uh, a month ago. He hasn't thrown a ball yet. So, I mean, yeah. I think the Dodgers are going to be very cautious with uh, Walker Bueller and rightfully so. I mean, I'll give you an example. My TGFBI league, which is hosted on the NFBC website, seven bench spots. I have Colton Wong, Fernando Tatis, Tim Anderson, Matt Chapman, Fran Mel Reyes, Eduardo Rodriguez, Freddie Peralta. They're all, you they're drop, all you drop Rodriguez before him, I guess, yes, but yeah, he's yeah. going to be back first. Yeah. So, I mean, you could be in a situation like that and it's, Man. you know, it's, it's yeah, a mess right now. Yeah. I mean, I, Rodriguez, Eduardo Rodriguez, you said? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if it's, if it's somebody you're not confident is even going to be a viable option for your team, then that's the person to drop instead no matter when he's coming back. So that makes it easy. If there if there's a silver lining to this Bueller thing, though, remember we were wondering what the Dodgers were going to do when Clayton Kershaw and Andrew Heaney got back. I was is Tyler Anderson still going to have a spot in the rotation? Well, like I said, life finds, life a, finds way. a way. Life finds. Yeah, you're right, Chris. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Andrew Heaney, by the way. I'll have an update on him in a little bit. 72% rostered if you want to pick him up and stash him for now. Uh, all right, so look, obviously Walker Bueller was a second or third round pick in most leagues, and you're not just going to replace his production, even though he was kind of shaky at times. Uh, but let's try to do that. Waiver wire pitchers from the weekend in shallow leagues. We keep bringing up Jeffrey Spring, so I will mention him once again. He's 76% rostered and one of Scott's sleeper pitchers this week. He has now posted back-to-back scoreless outings, uh, and he was solid again at the Twins. Five and a third shutout with five strikeouts. Drops the ERA to 1.45. But we've talked a lot about Jeffrey Springs. Go add him if he is available. Uh, other players who are more likely available. Spencer Strider had his best start of the season. He was mm. up against the Pirates. Five and two-thirds shutout with eight strikeouts. John Gray, a nice bounce back after a rough start earlier in the week. Six innings of one-run ball. Ten strikeouts at the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Michael Lorenzen posted his seventh quality start in 10 tries this season. Against the Mets, six and a third. One run with four strikeouts. Uh, Taiwan Walker. On Sunday Night Baseball, season-high 10 strikeouts against the Angels, 18 swinging strikes. Where did that come from? It was an awesome start by him. And then Ross Stripling. Uh, it was a two-start week for Ross Stripling. Fantastic matchups. He was at the Royals and at the Tigers. He goes 11 shutout innings, two hits allowed, six strikeouts. Obviously, not going to get a ton of whiffs there, but I, I think he's kind of interesting. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Ross Stripling, Tywin Walker, Michael Lorenzen, John Gray, Spencer Schreider, Chris, who are... I don't know, maybe two or three of your favorites from that group. I think Strider's by far the most interesting, but yeah. what we've seen from him out of the bullpen, what we've seen from him in spurts as a starter, the upside's obviously super high with the the swinging strike rate that he has. So I think yep. he's obviously the number one option and probably should be rostered you know, in pretty much all leagues at this point. After that, it's a pretty uninspiring lot. I, I guess John Gray, his... Overall numbers are pretty middling, but he's been dealing with a bunch of like weird nagging injuries. And then, you know, the underlying numbers are a little better. 364 FIP, 376 XFIP. So 
I think I would take a chance on him, especially versus Detroit this week. That's a great matchup. So uh, he, he would be the guy to go for if Spencer Strider is not available. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with Chris. Strider is probably must roster at this point and far and away the best of this group. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember the first start, couple bad defensive plays behind him were basically responsible for all the runs. And the second start was at Coors Field. So this was, I think... Uh, I think he got a fair shake in this one, and look what happened. Spencer Strider, by the way, from your Atlanta Braves, Scott. They're red hot. Mm. 11 in a row? 11 in a row. Let's go. Still several games behind the Mets. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that's going to take some time, but uh, moving in the right direction, it's always a good thing. John Gray, by the way, the matchup this week um, at the Tigers, so that is just absolutely fantastic. If you just need someone mm-hmm. to play this week, uh, Taiwan Walker as well. I don't trust the strikeouts at all, but he's going up against the Marlins this week. He's 54% roster. Don't mind that. Uh, Ross Stripling, don't like the matchup against the Yankees, but I think he's kind of interesting. He's getting a lot of ground balls. Uh, the control has been fantastic. He only has eight walks over 43 innings pitched, a career-high swinging strike rate supported by throwing more secondary pitches, the slider, and the changeup. Uh, Scott, any interest in Ross Stripling? I mean, I've gotten burned enough by Ross Stripling <laughs> over the years that I am skeptical. His he, his two turns here are like one hit allowed in each and just ridiculously efficient. He threw 56 over five innings in the first one. He threw 62 over six innings in this most recent one. Uh, but he's been an all-star before, and, and they're, they're, in the past, I've really liked him. That's why I've gotten burned so much. Uh, it, it is interesting to hear he has a career-high swinging strike rate. I hadn't noticed that. I mean, so, I, I'll say I don't see anything he's doing that Martin Perez isn't doing. It's like I'm, I'm as interested in Ross Stripling as I am in Martin Perez. Well, I... I mean, their numbers are actually almost identical. Another two months of Russ dribbling doing this, I would say for sure. In deeper leagues, some names, well, actually very deep leagues, some names that stood out from the weekend. John Heasley, he pitches for the Royals, by the way. He has turned in three quality starts in a row. Andre Pallante, he uh, made a strong start for the Cardinals this weekend against the Reds, five and a third shutout with four strikeouts. And he has such an interesting delivery. I was trying to figure out, he looks exactly like another pitcher. Kenley Jansen, that was the one. Andre Pallante, his form looks exactly like Kenley Jansen. So, completely random, but I finally figured it out, and I'm, I'm happy I did. Uh, Braxton <laughs> Garrett was uh, uh, another name this weekend as well. An, an impressive start against the Astros. Five and two-thirds, one unearned run, five strikeouts. He had 15 swinging strikes against the Astros lineup. That's that's pretty damn impressive. Um, Chris, any interest here in uh, Braxton Garrett, Andre Pallante, and John Heasley in the deepest of leagues? I think Garrett would probably be the only one who would register for me, and that's only because he was a prospect five years ago at this point. I mean, he's been a prospect since, but a prospect of some note before arm injuries. But no, outside of really deep leagues, I don't really have any interest in him. All right, fair enough. Let's move over to some waiver wire hitters. We've already talked about a lot of names, Luis Garcia, Jake Berger, and Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, I will bring up this name again. Maybe this is my Eric Hosmer of June, whatever. But Nathaniel Lowe, he's having a big June so far, and I'm just going to keep mentioning it. 341 batting average, four homers, three doubles, and OPS over 1,000. He's hitting the ball hard, and he's putting it in the air. So I am still pretty interested in Nathaniel Lowe. Yeah, I mean, he's always hit the ball pretty hard. He's, he's yeah. had launch angle issues like Hosmer in the past. So 
you know, if, if he's if if he can sustain that, then there may be something. But that's a very big if this deep into his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a small sample, right? It's it's only June so far, so we're what 12, 12 days in, and uh, I want to see him sustain it. But I, look, this is what it would look like if Nathaniel Lowe was breaking out, it, you know, putting the ball in the air and barreling it up as much as he is. How would you rank these outfielders? These all did something of note from the weekend. Brandon Marsh had a double dong on Friday, but overall has slowed down quite a bit for the Angels. He's 44% rostered. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon had a solid weekend, five hits, one homer, two steals. He's 28% rostered. Uh, we're starting to get some speed from Michael Harris with the Braves. He stole two bases over the weekend. He's batting 296 overall. He's 96th percentile in sprint speed. And Adam Duvall, who I believe was a sleeper for you last week, Scott, so uh, kudos to you, had a double dong on Sunday, and he's having a strong June. Uh, 278 batting average, four homers, an OPS over 1,000, 34% rostered. Scott, how would you rank those? Marsh, McCutcheon, Michael Harris, and Adam Duvall. I would go, well, like if home runs are your greatest need, probably Duvall goes to the front of this group, but just in a vacuum, all things being equal, I would say Harris, then Duvall, then Marsh, then McCutcheon. I can note that recently Harris made a change to his stance. He lowered his hands lower than he's ever had them before. And that kind of coincides with him picking it up at the plate, though he still has yet to hit his first home run. And Duvall has been working on his launch angle. I heard them say during the Braves broadcast today because he felt like he was hitting it too high, maybe in a way that worked in the past when the ball carried better. And, you know, I I don't know how much of this recent success for Duvall has to do with that versus the ball is carrying better because it's, uh, you know, we're we're into the summer months now. But regardless, I think Duvall's best, best days are ahead, at least as far as 2022 goes. All right. And on tomorrow's podcast, we will take a uh, a deeper look at offense so far in June and what's happening right now. Home run to fly ball ratio. It just seems like offense is up in general, which would coincide with humidors and you know things that we kind of theorized in the past. In deeper leagues, a few names that stood out. Christian Betancourt, last four games, he plays catcher and first base for uh, Oakland. Uh, he's got nine hits over his last four games, three homers, one steal. He hits the ball very hard, 92 mile per hour, average exit velocity, uh, very impressive barrel rate as well. That is Christian Betancourt. And then Kevin Kiermaier uh, had a sock and a shoe on Sunday. He's now up to seven homers, five steals. He's 9% rostered. Uh, Chris, do you have any interest in uh, Betancourt or Kiermaier in deeper leagues? Both are somewhat interesting for deeper leagues. Betancourt, if you're in a league that's deeper than 12 teams with two catchers and even maybe a two two catcher 12 team league he's playing enough that you're getting some kind of edge on a lot of catchers there um but would much rather have gabriel moreno who just got called up than Betancourt. and Betancourt wasn't one of the catchers that i added this week Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had him uh, behind both Gabriel Moreno and Cal Raleigh. So in those yeah. two catcher leagues where I was looking to make some moves, those were basically my top three in that order. It was Moreno, then Raleigh, and then uh, Betancourt, just because he is playing as much as he I, is and hits the ball. Hard. I added Kirk Casale over him in one league as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, Joey Bart was sent down recently by the Giants, so uh, Casale playing quite a bit for them. And uh, speaking of you know moves that we were making and, and bids from the weekend, 
I uh, wanted to point out some that I made, and if you guys have anything that you guys were looking to do. Uh, in Tout Wars, a 12-team head-to-head points league, I added Oscar Gonzalez for $13 out of a $1,000 budget. Chris Archer for 7 uh, It's a head-to-head points league, but it uses Roto-style lineups, so five outfielders and uh, nine pitcher spots. So it does go a little bit deeper there. Uh, in the NFBC main event, 15-team Roto League, I added Alex Kirilov for $22. The backup bid was 8 out of 1000 I was... Mm. So shocked to get Alex Kirilov. I'm so happy. I hope he gets yeah, called up to, tomorrow. I'm trying to get him everywhere he's available because he, yeah, he's been he awesome. homered three times again over the weekend. Oh, yeah. I think it's up to nine home runs at AAA. And, and that only started... He's only been there like a month, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely trying to add Kirilov wherever I can. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, I dropped uh, Yuli Gurriel for him. $13. I got Gabriel Moreno for 7 in a two-catcher league out of $1,000. So, okay, do that. Uh, Steven Kwan I picked up because they have three games in Coors Field. I also added Jake McGee for $6 because he picked up a save on Sunday, and I just don't trust Gabe Kapler, and I could just see him mixing and matching, and I am desperate for saves. Uh, were you guys making any moves uh, on Sunday Fab that stood out worth mentioning? Uh, like I mentioned, I got Casali. I added Sir Anthony Dominguez in Tout Wars. Yep. That's a saves plus holds league, so I was you know, more interested in him there. Uh, although I did add him in one just saves league and then Luis Garcia as well. Yeah. Um, no, I, th- I think Sir Anthony Dominguez and that's S-E-R. It's, it's not like he was knighted. It's Sir Anthony <laughs> Dominguez. It's still a sick name. Like I kind of just <sighs> like, should I call you Sir Scott White moving forward? It's you can make it happen. I think if you're in one of those leagues where, you know, there, there's a big bidding war every time a new merge, a closer emerges. Like that, that's a perspective one to pick up. I, I mean, Corey Knebel's not healthy right now. Yeah, yep. and he hasn't been reliable even when he has been. Now they think it's a day-to-day shoulder thing, but uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez's numbers this year, his first back from Tommy John surgery, thirty-four uh, percent strikeout rate, twenty-nine and twenty-two and thirds in two two thirds innings. Um, yep. Only a, a 161 ERA, 0.94 whip, 11.7 K per nine. Yep. And uh, he had 16 strike. He, if you've been playing fantasy for a few years, you may remember he had 16 saves as a rookie in 2018. And then he, and then he had injuries. So this is really the first we've seen of him for an extended run since then. And uh, he looks awesome. So hopefully, hopefully he can be some stealthy saves, not to root against Corey Knebel or anything. <laughs> but I have more Sir Anthony Dominguez at this point. Yeah. Uh, Corey Knebel, by the way, 8.3 K per nine, five walks per nine. That is just a rough K to walk ratio so far this season. Uh, Scott, any moves that you wanted to highlight that you were looking to make on Sunday? Uh, well, I don't know if Chris was quite done, but... Yep, I'm- oh, look, I just won Gabriel Moreno. I was surprised. Okay, so in two 15-team leagues, I won Gabriel Moreno for... Uh, I won him for $28 in Tout Wars, and I won him for $39 in TGFBI. And these are two catcher leagues, 15 teams. I, I don't yeah, don't know what's going We're on. We're kind of at that point in the year where guys can slip through the cracks. Yeah, yeah I guess. People running low on fab, you know. Yeah, Scott, just, I got Moreno for $7 in a two-catcher league out of a $1,000 budget, so... Yeah, <laughs> I was pretty excited to yeah, look. We'll see what happens with Danny Jansen. But I mean, take a shot on one of the best prospects in the game. And if he hits, he's going to stick around like it's. Oh, now I'm wondering if I won him 
in a league where I had, I already have Salvador Perez and uh, Alejandro Kirk, but it's just like, why am I not going to bid on Gabriel Moreno in a 15 team league? Yeah. I no. did not. I did not win him in that league. I agree. With that, that was only a $7 bid. I think it's a good strategy, Scott, to uh, like anytime you could stockpile assets, especially in a, a league that deep. I have a, a league where I drafted Mitch Garver and Alejandro Kirk as my two catchers. And I added MJ Melendez when he got called up because I was just, all right, hey, he's a prospect catcher who can hit. And now I start him over Mitch Garver. So, I mean, these things kind of find a way of uh, working themselves out. So I would agree with that. Uh, another another player I added in several leagues who we haven't mentioned yet is is Bryson Stott, who homered at least once over the weekend. He's he's looked like a different player since since Gene Sakura went down. It's also about the time Joe Girardi got fired, so you, you're credited to either one, I guess. But Stott's been in basically an everyday player since then, and uh, during that time, he's hit all four of his home runs. Yes, he homered on Saturday. So he is, he's up there with, I mean, I think Luis Garcia has more upside, but he's, you know, as a second base shortstop eligible guy with upside, I think he's worth rostering on a similar level. And there's something to be said for a young player who doesn't have to look over his shoulder and constantly worry about whether he's going to play that day or not. I mean, he's just playing. He's playing every day now. So I think that's something that can actually help with, uh, a young player's confidence, and, and right now it looks pretty good for uh, Bryson Stott. Before we hit the break, I want to remind everyone to join our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group if you haven't already. That's facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. And lots of interesting questions being asked there. You can ask your questions, waiver wire, trade, dynasty, keeper leagues, whatever you play in. Uh, maybe you got a question about who to start or sit. You can drop those in on Monday, and a lot of people will respond. Uh, and it's just a fun community and, and a way to interact with other FBT listeners. So uh, again, join up there on Facebook if you haven't already. We'll take a break and we'll be back right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The news and notes. Let's start with a few Mets aces. Max Scherzer is scheduled to throw live batting practice in the near future, while Jacob deGrom threw his third bullpen session on Saturday, some good news there. I don't. I don't know when we will will see Degrom, but I don't know. Maybe both post All Star break. That would. I mean, make sense if they're throwing bullpen sessions. You know that. I, th- I would say anytime within the next month is possible. Yeah, I, they don't really need to rush those guys. I guess. I mean, yeah. they have a pretty good lead right Their now. Their rotation but. has been bad since Scherzer's injury. They were like bottom ten in ERA. 
um, heading into the weekend since then. So they could certainly use Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think most teams probably could. But they do have the luxury of knowing that they need them for September and October more than June and July. For sure. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is experiencing numbness in the middle three fingers of his right hand and does not have a timeline for his return. He was. This is super concerning. Yeah. I don't I don't know. Like you don't want to speculate, but this is I remember hearing this with several guys who ended up having thoracic outlet syndrome. Oh, yeah. So that's that's it could be nothing. But that's just the thing that jumped out to me. I remember Josh Beckett, I think, was. One of the one of the first guys I remember that where that was the the precursor issue. So what it's right. referred to as is Raynaud's syndrome. Yeah. I don't really know anything about that, but doesn't sound good. Uh, Scott, no. anything no. you wanted to add, Scott? It sounded like you. Well, I was just gonna say I think I think Strasburg had the same thing before his leading up to his thoracic outlet syndrome. So yeah. yep. hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully no. not. No, it's scary for uh, Brandon Woodruff. I mean, another pitchers are pitchers are going down, dropping right like now. flies right now. Yeah, Woodruff and Bueller and Scherzer yeah. before that. It's scary. Uh, Tim Anderson will begin a rehab assignment at AAA on Tuesday. He's on the IL with a groin injury. Say Suzuki is not making progress with his sprained finger and remains without a timetable. Jack Flaherty will make a third rehab start on Wednesday. He's allowed just one run over his first two rehab starts. Like to see him performing well. Uh, Chris Sale will throw two live batters for the first time on Monday. It also turns out that he could return in a relief role at first just to get him back sooner. And I'm sure they would you know, stretch him out, maybe use him for multiple innings in the bullpen. Um, but that's the plan for now. Fran Reyes will begin a rehab assignment on Tuesday with AAA. He's been out since May 25th with I'm, right hamstring tightness. I'm going to plant a flag. This is going to go like it did for Joey Votto. Fran Reyes is going to come back and look like himself. Uh, Royce Lewis was transferred to the 60-day IL with a partially torn ACL the second time he suffered that injury. It obviously, it was a complete tear last year or even two years uh, ago. But Yeah, it's, that's just terrible. So, I, I hate the, you know, injuries are part of sports, obviously. So, you know, you, you, you can, you're never too surprised by that. But it was the same yeah. thing twice like that's that's what makes me really like that because it just seems unfair you know yeah and Royce Lewis like his stock was probably the highest it's ever been like yep. in terms of what everybody was expecting for him so it's just yeah. just sucks yep I don't really understand what the angels are are doing with Joe Adele but what do I know? Uh, Adele puts together back-to-back multi-hit games and then is sent back to AAA this weekend. I believe it was I mean, on Saturday. You, look, when you're enjoying the kind of success that they have been. Yeah. yeah. I mean, anytime you can get Juan Lagares in the outfield instead, you know. You've got to do it. Makes any t- sense. Look, so. they also had Tyler Wade playing center field over Brandon Marsh today, so. Oh, and clearly, he, he was terrible, too. Yeah, <laughs> it was <still> awful. <laughs> so clearly, bad. They're pulling all the right levers right now. I, I don't get it. Uh, look, I am obviously a little bit salty because I added Joe Adele in a few spots last week, and you know I dropped him for Alex Kirilov. Something I would recommend doing um, for other people, but yeah, yeah. It, it is frustrating. Uh, Orioles outfield prospect Kyle Stowers has joined their taxi squad and will likely make his debut in Toronto. And I'm speculating here, but I do wonder if he's only getting the call because 
maybe there's an Orioles outfielder or hitter who is unvaccinated and can't play in Toronto. So maybe this is a short stay, but uh, Stowers, Scott, I know someone we've mentioned before on FBT in five, and he's hitting 253, 12 homers in 49 games at AAA. So he does have mm-hmm. some some pop, if nothing else. Yeah, it does. I'm. It's not a profile I generally love in a prospect. Uh, some... You know, he's, he's power over hit, and he has had strikeout issues in the past. Not so bad this year, about 25%. But, yeah, I'm not I'm not making a big investment in Kyle Stowers. Oh, right. Corey Knable, we've mentioned multiple times, he's dealing with a tight shoulder and hopes to only miss a day or two, but it does sound scary. And Sir Anthony Dominguez is one you could speculate on there. Casey Mize will undergo Tommy John surgery, so pretty big blow for the Detroit Tigers. Andrew Heaney expected to throw at least five innings in his double-A rehab start on Tuesday. He's 72% rostered, could be out there in some shallow leagues, some points leagues. Anthony DeScalfani went three scoreless innings at triple-A rehab on Saturday. He's on the IL with an ankle injury. It actually turns out Andrew Kittredge needs Tommy John surgery, uh, last week, they said he, he's going to have some loose bodies removed, but uh, it is more severe than that. And we'll talk about Tampa's mm. bullpen a little bit later on. No surprise, but Sixto Sanchez is not expected to pitch this year. He's still trying to work his way back from major shoulder. Uh, I believe it was some kind of surgery that he had. Yeah, but, some kind of capsule. Yep. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has been resting due to shoulder fatigue, but is lined up to start Tuesday against the Padres. Obviously, not much interest there. These players went to the IL this weekend. Nathan Avaldi with lower back inflammation. Colton Wong with a right calf strain. Marcus Stroman with right shoulder inflammation. Garrett Whitlock with right hip inflammation. Jacob Junis diagnosed with a grade two hamstring strain. Uh, Mike Zanino with a left shoulder injury. Wade Miley with a left shoulder strain. Ramon Arias with a left oblique strain. And each of Mitch Garver, Glenn Otto, Garrett Cooper, and Mike Clevenger we're all placed on the COVID IL this weekend. Just can't can't get Clevenger back for any length of time. No, it's it's been a mess. Uh, starters sit these questionable players. Michael Kobeck left Sunday with uh, I believe it was a knee injury scheduled at Houston this week. Would you guys avoid that injury? Tough matchup. I would. It it sounds like it's not a hundred percent. He's going to make that start, and it's a tough matchup anyway. So just, yeah, you'd start him against them if he was healthy, but. Given the question, yeah. All right. Uh, Joe Ryan will start Tuesday or Wednesday against the Mariners. He last made his uh, he last made a start on May 21st. He's been on the COVID IL for quite some time. He's not so necessary that I would start him in his first one back. You don't know how guys are going to respond from COVID, so I would sit him. All right. Uh, Lance Lynn expected to make his season debut on Monday against the Tigers, which I believe would make him a two-start pitcher. Yep. Yep, he got moved up just uh, tonight. It was announced he would go tomorrow instead of, sorry, Sunday it was announced he would go Monday instead of Tuesday, which, yes, does make him a two-star pitcher, Frank, and I think means you, you need to activate him right away. His last rehab assignment was, rehab Bad. start was pretty awful, but. He threw 79 pitches in three innings, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, and he looked fine he's before then, and, and he's going against the Tigers for a start. Yeah. So I, I think. Tigers are. I think go with Lance Lynn. All right. A few hitters that are banged up. Matt Chapman has missed two straight with wrist soreness, and Yasmani Grandal was out Sunday with a leg injury. Uh, would you guys maybe play it safe and get those guys out? Chapman, definitely. 
you know, it looked like he was starting to turn it around. Then he struggled for the last week or so. So I would sit him. Grundahl, I don't know. Who do you got? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe you have like Cal Are Raleigh you carrying or... <laughs> a third catcher? You probably shouldn't be. Right. Or a second catcher, I guess, in a two-catcher league. Generally speaking, that's not the best usage of resources. So I'd probably well, what start if it's a one-catcher league? Which most are. Yeah, like I, I don't know who who are you who are you carrying? Well, I, I don't. Do you drop Grandal to get Gabriel Moreno? Get William Contreras? I drop him. Get, okay. I don't think he's been pretty awful, but he has been. But I don't was, know. I feel like we've seen stretches like this from Grandal before, and he pulls out of it. And I, I just think the track record's long enough that. I'm not going to, I wasn't thinking about benching or cutting him before this injury. And it doesn't sound like this injury is a reason to cut him. Two weeks ago in a 10 team, one catcher league, I dropped him for, I take that back. I picked up Alejandro Kirk and benched Grandal. And then I saw how good Kirk was. So I dropped Grandal because it's <laughs> like, I don't need him anymore. But that's, uh, yeah, there aren't, there aren't a lot of Alejandro Kirks out there. Oh, yeah. There was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So maybe that's who Gabriel Moreno is right now. I mean, Will, William Contreras is 71% rostered. MJ Melendez is 69%. Gabriel Moreno is 51 So there could be some catchers out there in, in one-catcher leagues. Let's move on to some other leftovers from the weekend. Some pitching regression that we saw. Martin Perez roughed up by the White Sox on Saturday. The White Sox absolutely crushed lefties. So just... Keep that in mind whenever you see them on the schedule. Uh, he is, Martin Perez is at the Tigers this week. Chris, what did you see from your guy, Martin Perez? <laughs> Would you still roll him out there at the Tigers this week? <laughs> at the Tigers, sure. They're bad. Yes. <laughs> but I think he's not that good. So after that, if he has a rough matchup, I'll definitely sit him. And I, yeah, I think he's a fringe roster guy. Fair enough. Uh, Eric Lauer gives up. Three homers at the Nationals, and uh, he allowed eight runs total in this start. His last four starts, Eric Lauer, 5.85 ERA. Uh, whiffs are down, 13 strikeouts to 13 walks during that time period. Scott, would you start Eric Lauer at the Reds? Seems like he's kind of falling off here. I mean, it's a good enough matchup that I wouldn't automatically sit Lauer, but yeah, he just he does he looks he looks like he's a fringy pitcher again. It's been going on mm-hmm. long enough, and in all phases, you mentioned the one to one strikeout to walk rate over his last five starts. That's a terrible sign. I do want to mention for Martin Perez, his pitch selection was like back to his old pitch selection in this one start. It was fading the sinker, more cutters. Uh, not a good formula for him, I don't think. I don't know why he did that in this most recent start, but there, that stood out to me for Martin Perez. All right. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, we knew he wouldn't pitch to a sub-2 ERA all season long. He gave up six runs against the Rockies, and looks like his next start is in Coors Field. So I think we should probably avoid that, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fine. Carlos Carrasco has had a few rough outings this season. The fourth time he has allowed uh, four or more runs. He was at the Angels on Saturday. He gave up five runs in that start. His ERA jumps to 3.93. All of his underlying numbers still look pretty good. Uh, Scott, would you start uh, Carrasco at home against the Brewers this week? (sighs) It wouldn't be automatic, but it, it just depends who else I have 
You mentioned the underlying numbers. They do. I, it's been really frustrating because 334 XFIP, 12.9 swinging strikeout rate, that's you know, that's like a top 10 sort of rate. I don't know. I don't know why the results have been so infrequently there for him. Scott, I'll also give you Aaron Ashby, who was destroyed at the Nationals on Friday. He gave up six runs, 13 hits over four and two-thirds innings pitched, and he is at the Mets this week. Um, before we started, you said, you have some thoughts on Aaron Ashby. Oh, yeah. No, you roll, keep going with Ashby. Ashby's great. Ashby, this isn't, this isn't Martin Perez, where he has a bad start, and you know you got to wonder if it's all falling apart. Ashby... Uh, his previous two starts, he had a combined 21 strikeouts, first of all. So we were thrilled then. Of the 13 hits he gave up Friday, 11 were singles. And one of the two that wasn't a single was an 82.5 mile per hour triple. <laughs> so I don't know what that looked like, but... Uh, Probably yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like an out off the bat. I can tell you that. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was just, he just got he just had bad 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 luck in this start. I think was mainly the issue. And uh, there's a lot to like there for Ashby still. All right, we're rolling with him. We had a few pitchers return this weekend. Shane Boz not great. Gave up five runs over two and a third. He's at the Orioles this week. Tyler McGill gave up two runs over three and a third innings pitched at the Angels. He's going up against the Brewers this week. And then uh, Clayton Kershaw was at the Giants. He gave up two runs over four innings pitched. Got his pitch count up to 71. uh, And he's going up against the Guardians this week. Chris, what do you think about those matchups? We got Baz at the Orioles, McGill versus the Brewers, and Kershaw versus the Guardians. All systems go across the board. Start all of them. Fair enough. All right, some pitching standouts. Part one, Luis Severino. Back-to-back double-digit strikeout efforts. This one was up against the Cubs on Friday. Uh, Jose Barrios looks a lot like Jose Barrios, his last two starts. He was at the Tigers. He gave up one run over eight innings pitched with five strikeouts. Uh, Joe Musgrove makes it 11-for-11 in quality starts this season. He goes six shutout and had eight strikeouts. Uh, And then Zach Wheeler, another great start. This one up against the Diamondbacks, six shutout with eight strikeouts himself. For his last eight starts, Zach Wheeler, 1.42 ERA, 0.95 whip, 64 strikeouts over 50 and two-thirds innings pitched. He is awesome. Scott, anything you'd like to add on Wheeler, Musgrove, Barrios, and Severino? Yeah, so you mentioned Barrios has looked like himself the last two starts, and, and yeah, they both were great. Four of his last five starts have been quality starts. Now, the one that wasn't was so bad that it hasn't improved his overall numbers that much, this stretch. But I feel like that's, I, I feel like he's really trending in the right direction now. And you may have missed your window to buy low based on the way these last two starts have gone. Mm-hmm. The one thing I, that stood I, out for this start was that he, he still isn't getting many whiffs. Not that he has ever been someone who gets a lot of swings and misses. Oh, he, oh, he got a ton in his last start, I mean. Yeah, but, I mean, he was up against the Tigers. He had seven swinging strikes. He actually allowed more hard-hit balls than he had swinging strikes. So that's been an issue for him this year. And, you know, it's... Look, if he's going up against a better lineup than the Tigers, you know, I think that, you know, that team would make him pay more than the Tigers would, obviously. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, some pitching standouts part two from the weekend. Jordan Montgomery... Oh, wait, 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 wait. So would you use this as an opportunity to sell... High on Berea. I mean, his ERA is still not that great, so I don't know if you could yeah. sell high. But 
I think I would. Like, I've been pretty consistently like worried about Barrios this year just because his swinging strike rate keeps trending down and he's allowing a lot of hard contact. He does have a long track record. You know, maybe he, this is just who he is and he'll be fine. Um, I like him this week. He's going up against the Orioles. But yeah, personally, I, I would I would try and cash out. I, I would try to sell Do Barrios. Do you have the many leagues that we play in together? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. Just checking. Yeah. Uh, I had him in one league, the Scott White Dynasty League, and I, I, I traded him to Chris. Yeah. So. <laughs> your problem. Going, Chris? Yeah, I would say your problem now, Chris, but... We're, we're, we're rounding the corner. You gave mm-hmm. me Trevor Rogers in return, so it's, you know... We're, yeah, it hasn't really worked out. It's not really great anyway. Uh, pitching standouts part two. Jordan Montgomery went seven shutout against the Cubs with five strikeouts. He had 17 swinging strikes on 96 pitches. Julio Arias, an awesome start at the Giants on Sunday. Six innings, two runs, 10 strikeouts to zero walks. Carlos Rodon, we really needed to see something, you know, get back on track here. He's got to... Oh, we didn't. What? No, go ahead. Say what you're going to say about Carlos Rodon. I'm mad at him because (laughs) I lost in two head-to-head points leagues this week by a combined three and a half points. Ouch. And and this great start for Carlos Rodon Sunday was, was one of the many things that led to one of those losses. And that was the one I that was the podcast league. So that's the difference between me me being four and five and me being three and six in that league, which is a very big difference. Damn. And yeah, I was the third highest score for the week in that one. I was the second highest score in the other. And incidentally, not even those two leagues where I lost by the combined three and a half. But in the 2014 Dynasty League, I was the second highest scorer for the week and lost. Doesn't bother me as much. It's a rebuild year, but wow, what a crappy week. <laughs> crappy, crappy week. I'm sorry, Scott. Mm. I do like I, yeah. I like it when you get angry, though. It's you know, it makes for good podcasting. I'm not angry. I'm depressed. He's, it's funny to him. He's actually <laughs> laughing about it. No. Yeah. Uh, Carlos Rodon, by the way, uh, he had a six ERA over his previous five starts. So I do think we needed to see a great start, and that we did. Robbie Ray. What happened here on Sunday? Just completely changes his pitch mix. It worked, so I'm not mad about it, but uh, he fires his first scoreless outing of the season up against the Red Sox. Pretty good lineup. Seven shutout, had four strikeouts, throws a sinker in this one 48% of the time, and entering Sunday, he used that pitch 2% of the time. So what's going on? Chris, what do you think? Robbie Ray, Carlos Rodon, Julio Rios, and Jordan Montgomery. Robbie Ray kind of just sounds like a guy who's looking for answers. Um, And so he's going to tinker until he finds something that works consistently. I don't think this approach is going to work for him consistently. There's basically never been a version of there have been multiple versions of Robbie Ray that have been good for fantasy. None of them have featured him throwing his slider 18% of the time. So I think it's going to be back to the drawing board at some point. Uh, Arias, I think is, Mostly just fought back. Like the velocity is not where it was last season, but he remains a standout in terms of quality of contact, suppression, and the strikeouts have been back the last handful of starts. So I mostly feel pretty good about him. He's still a top, I think, 12 pitcher for me. And uh, I probably need to give Montgomery more credit than I have, but I don't want to give him too much credit because I don't know how long he can survive with this kind of strikeout rate. So I don't know. I'm not not sure what to do with him. I probably need to move him up. He's 84 for me. He could probably stand to move up a little bit, but not too much. 
Yeah, Montgomery is interesting. His strikeout rate is down, yet he has a career-high 14% swinging strike rate. So it doesn't really add up. It seems like he should be getting more strikeouts than he is. It could be like a sequencing thing or, or something like that. But um, overall, he's been pretty damn good. That is Jordan Montgomery. Let's uh, quickly rapid-fire do some starter sit with some of these pitchers as well. Paul Blackburn went eight shutout innings. He is at Boston this week. I know he's pitched well, Scott, but I feel like I would want to stay away from Blackburn there. Yeah, I've I've never believed in him. I will sit him. All right. Uh, Tristan McKenzie has now gone six-plus innings in seven starts in a row, and the problem is that he's at Coors Field this week. Chris? Yeah, no way you can start him at Colorado, a guy who's that homer prone. I I like him, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Although, like, I could see him going six innings, giving up three solo home runs. (laughs) <laughs> That's the kind of pitcher he is. Yeah, it could be. Uh, Hunter Green, his last seven starts, he has a 3.20 ERA, 0.99 whip, 13.6% swinging strike rate. He is at home against the Brewers this week. What do you think, Scott? Eileen starts. I could see how you might want to prioritize volume if you have options, but but I'd lean start on Green. I feel like the fastball's been a lot better for him lately. The last two starts for sure. He didn't yeah. he didn't throw it as much in this one as the previous one, but but yeah, it has it has been I mean, he's up to a twenty eight percent swing strike rate or whiff rate on it, which for a fastball is really good. Even you know, when it gets hit, it gets hit really hard. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm starting to really believe in Hunter Green. All right. Uh, well, it only took us 57 minutes, but we've made it to Charlie Morton. He once again gives up some <laughs> runs in the first inning, but then he settles down and he goes six, gives up four runs, 12 strikeouts, 23 swinging strikes. So still lots of good, but I, don't <laughs> yeah, know. I mean, you got to like the trajectory he's on. It's just keep the, keep the runs off the board. You know, it's, we Focus are, that this, first this is the, uh, Luis Castillo versus the Rangers. I've made the, the Luis Castillo comp for him over and over this season. There was a start last year against the rain or the, sorry, the giants where he had 11 strikeouts but gave up three runs in five innings, and that was like right around when he started figuring out. This is this is that point. Chris, would you start him at the Cubs this week? Yeah. All right. Uh, Blake Snell, actually nice bounce-back performance. Six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts against the Rockies. The problem is that he's at Coors Field this week, so I assume no thanks, Scott. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm, I'm still not that trustful of him anyway, but yeah, especially not at Colorado. All right, and then Patrick Sandoval, solid bounce back up against the Mets. Six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts. He had 20 swinging strikes in this start. He is at the Mariners this week. Uh, Chris, what do you think about that matchup for him? Yeah, I'm still starting him. There's a lot of red flags here, but I just I think he can pitch better. Even like The results have been good. The underlying the process has been pretty mediocre, but just throw the change up more, man. It's such a good pitch. I don't know why it's it's his third most thrown pitch this season. Ha, has it been as good for him this year? I, I feel like there have been a so, few yeah. starts where it's gotten like no whiffs or one whiff. It got Last 10 whiffs today, so it was... Last I saw, it had, still had like a 45% whiff rate. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah, it was 48% entering today. It was 51% last year. It's That, yeah. that pitch is a, yeah. is a freaking monster. Yeah, he's just got to use it more. He's got a 100 batting average against on his changeup. Yeah. So come on, Patrick Sandoval. Uh, hitters coming around in June. I'm actually going to save this for tomorrow when we take a closer look at uh, offense in June overall. Uh, the goal to the bullpen, we'll wrap up with this. Uh, Danny Jimenez, we mentioned he's been struggling. Uh, was there anyone that you guys are looking to speculate on? I, I mentioned A.J. Puck. 
I guess Puck. I don't know. He's been awesome. He's been really good. But I don't know. There is another I, fella. I never really want to speculate on the <laughs> bad teams. That's true. Especially if there's no like obvious guy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Zach Jackson, I think, is someone who gets a lot of swinging strikes, but I can't really tell you much about Zach Jackson. For the Cardinals, uh, Ryan Helsley got his fourth save this weekend. He's only 52% rostered, so if you need saves in a you know, 10, 12-team league, he could be out there for you. For the Twins on Saturday, Yoan Duran pitched in the eighth inning with a one-run lead. He faced five, six, and seven in the Rays lineup. Emilio Pagan then pitched in the ninth, and he picked up his eighth save of the season. For the Giants on Saturday, Camilo Duvall entered in the eighth inning of a one-run game with runners on second and third. He walked Chris Taylor and then struck out both Gavin Lux and Mookie Betts. Lefty Jose Alvarez picked up the save one inning later. And then on Sunday, Jake McGee picked up the save for the Giants. So, uh, Scott, do you have any feel for what's going on with the Giants right now? Or is Doval just their highest leverage arm and that's it, basically? Yeah, I think that's it. I think, I think, um, I think Gabe Kapler has lost so much confidence in the rest of his bullpen that he no longer feels like he can con- confine Doval to the ninth inning. And so he's just kind of been using them all over the place. So he's still probably the reliever to have from that bullpen. But, you know, if it's if, if you're playing a shallower league uh, where, where somebody like Helsley is out there, it, it probably makes sense to make the switch. Yeah, and I think Duvall is still over 70% rostered. So uh, I think that is a move that makes a ton of sense. For the Reds on Sunday, Art Warren pitched in the fifth inning with the game tied. Tony Santian pitched in the seventh inning with a two-run lead at the time. Alexis Diaz is someone I've mentioned multiple times. I think he's the best reliever for the Reds. Uh, He pitches in the ninth, gave up a homer, but also picked up his second save of the season. The Reds are not very good, so I guess this is just for deeper leagues. But They've been better, Yeah, but yeah, they're, they're not very good. All right, to stream or not to stream, let's start with uh, Monday. We've got Mitch Keller at the Cardinals. <laughs> we love Mitch Keller. No. Zach Thompson, not the Zach Thompson who pitches for the Pirates. There's a Cardinals pitcher named Zach Thompson. He's going up against the Pirates. Very confusing. Justin Steele is going is up. Is Zach Thompson pitching on the other side of that game? No, it's Mitch Keller. No, he pitched today. Yeah, that would have been sick, right? That would have been fun, though. <laughs> Zach Thompson. Uh, Justin Steele versus the Padres. Mike Miner at the Diamondbacks. Brady Singer at the Giants. Chris Archer at the... Mariners and Chris Flexen versus the Twins. I think I don't want any of them. (laughs) Singer's the only one I would be moderately interested in, but not really. Yeah. Mm, Archer probably won't give you a win because he doesn't go deep, but he's been okay for the Twins. Tuesday, we've got JT Brubaker at the Cardinals. Matthew Liberator versus the Pirates. Zach Eflin versus the Marlins. Trevor Rogers at the Phillies. And Yusei Kikuchi versus the Orioles. Eflin. Yep. I think it's a pretty good start. Kikuchi. It's okay. Uh, I I might try Trevor Rogers at the Phillies, but I you know, that, that could go very badly too. Yeah. Not much confidence there right now for Trevor Rogers. And rightfully so. We're gonna wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. 
And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.